Well, it's good to open the Word of God together and to look at what the Word of God has to say to us. So we're going to be looking at Psalm 103. If you have your Bible, you're welcome to follow along there. And there is a Bible app event for this. Uh, get your Version Bible app, look for an event in Kerwinsville, pick the one that says Kerwinsville Alliance, and you can follow right along that way on your tablet or smartphone. We encourage you to do that. You know, there is nothing like pain, suffering, heartache, and adversity to show you what you're made of. Just ask George Costanza. If you remember that Seinfeld episode with the fire in it, George experienced some pain, not the pain of fire, but the pain that comes with the shame of behaving poorly. And actually, what George found out was what he was made of. He discovered what he was made of. You can imagine the scene, right? There's a kid's birthday party, a lot of kids playing together, and suddenly this fire breaks out. It turns out to be inconsequential, but it's big enough that they bring the fire company in. And George, when he sees the fire, he yells, fire, fire, and he's pushing women and children out of the way as he's making his way to the exit himself. Afterward, his girlfriend Robin and the firemen are kind of, uh, they're kind of calling him to task on what he did. Let me read it to you. George replied concerning his humor. What looked like pushing, what looked like knocking down, was a safety precaution. In a fire, you stay close to the ground. Am I right? Am I right? (laughs) And when I ran to the door, he says, I was not leaving anyone behind. Oh, quite the contrary. I risk my life making sure the exit was clear. Now, everyone knows he's lying. His girlfriend knows he's lying. The people around know he's lying. The fireman knows that he is lying. And then the fireman looks at George and asks this question. How do you live with yourself? And George's reply is what this sermon is all about. He replies, it's not easy. Because in that moment, George kind of got a picture of the answer to the question, what am I made of? Really, what am I made of? I can remember a very small crisis came into my life when my when my son was about knee high or a little bit taller than that. He was just a little guy, and uh, we were with a, another family, and there were the two da- dads. It was winter time, and we went out on a pond, out onto the ice on a pond. So get the picture here. It's winter. The pond is frozen. There's two dads. He has two boys, and I have one. And so the five of us are out on that ice, and we're not really sure about the ice, so we're being pretty careful And I think you can guess what happened when we got about a dozen feet from the bank there out onto that ice. Crack. And it sounded pretty desperate to me. I felt the ice shifting beneath my feet. I grabbed Tim. I just scooped him up. And like I was like Superman or something, leaping across that ice as it was falling down. Probably more like Wile E. Coyote going across that ice with my son under my arm. And I got him to safety in an instant. And I looked back and I saw the other gentleman, he had two boys, one under each arm, and he was scooping them onto the the shore right behind me. And for just an instant, you know, just as, as fast as the speed of thought, something occurred to me. And this is what it was. I realized that my drive to preserve my son's life overruled everything else in my life. And I don't think that's a bad thing. But what I realized in that instance as well was that I would have done anything to save Tim. I would have been George Costanza and pushed women and children and that guy and his two boys aside to save my son. And it really made me ask myself the answer to the question, what am I made of? Really? What am I made of? What are you made of? 
pain and suffering, disappointment, rejection, any adversity in our life can make us ask that kind of question. And usually when we ask that question, what am I made of really? We find out we're not quite as tough as we thought that we were. We're actually more fragile than we know. And even small things affect us in bigger ways than we thought they would. Don't believe me? How frustrated are you that you're paying for Amazon Prime and waiting too long, maybe a week or two, (laughs) for your product to arrive? Or what about Walmart? Why are they only letting some of us in? How frustrating is that? And what about this Netflix thing? What is that thing on my screen? Buffering, buffering, buffering. Those things are so trivial, honestly, in the grand scheme of things. But but they can demonstrate our weakness, that we are a little more petty than we thought we were, and we're a little more fragile than we thought we were, and we're way more self-absorbed than we thought we were. What are we made of, really? Now, it's hard for us to see what we're made of, really, and there's a number of reasons that it's hard. One reason is our arrogance kind of keeps us from seeing who we are, really. Jesus kind of speaks about this in Matthew chapter 7. It's We're going to get to Psalm 103, hang in there. But in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is talking to a group of people. He's preaching, and he says what might be one of the most popular things Jesus ever said. He says in verse 1, do not judge or you will be judged. Everyone loves that. But listen to the rest of what he says. For in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged, and with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and not pay any attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, Jesus says. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So you see that Jesus isn't telling us we should never take note of fragility and of problems and even sins that other people have. He wants us to help one another in dealing with such things in our spiritual life. His point is this. Don't let your arrogance lead you to a place of ignorance concerning your own foibles, your own moral issues. When you let go of your arrogance, you begin to ask this question. What am I made of, really? Arrogance prevents us from seeing our fragility and uh, our tendency to compare does the very same thing. A year ago, my doctor said to me, Steve, I'd like you to start exercising. And she told me how much I needed to exercise. She said, I'd like you to begin that. And so you know what I need to do? I need to find a new doctor. (laughs) No, not really. Here's the problem I tend to have about that, though. I compare myself to other men my age. And I choose which guys I want to compare myself to. And I feel pretty good about myself. And I say, well, compared to him, I really don't need to exercise. That is not healthy. And that is not wise. Comparing yourself to others is really an unhealthy choice that would lead me to a bad place. Spiritually speaking, it's the same. In fact, I would say that spiritually, the only person I should compare myself to maybe would be Jesus, because although I always come up short when I compare myself to him, at least, uh, at least I know, at least I know where I stand. Because I look at others, I find myself 
clueless about how tough I am. But when I look at Jesus, then I know the truth. I know that I'm fragile. What am I made of, really? There's one more thing that keeps us from seeing ourselves the way we should see ourselves, and that's our distractibility. You know what I mean by that, right? Our tendency to be distracted by everything else that's in the room. You might be experiencing it right now. Distractibility. Think of what we're bombarded with here that distracts us from really looking into our soul. I have some friends who are retired. I've had them through my my years uh, as a pastor, getting to know them and enjoy knowing them. And, and I find different ones of them just have that news channel going all day long. So politics, mostly, is what's being pumped into their head. How much time do you suppose they're taking to look into their own souls while that's playing? Or what about um, people with uh, our cell phones? And there we have our social media, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, and we're just watching the feed and scrolling it, it by there, consuming that information. How much time do you suppose we're giving to looking into our hearts? We're too distracted by such things. Even good things like books. Read a book, someone said. I believe in that. But I would say to you that just because you're reading Tara Westover or James Patterson, or even if you're reading A.W. Tozer, that doesn't mean you're looking inside your soul. We're distracted a lot of times, even by good things, from really understanding who we are, from seeing ourselves. And if we're distracted by such things, if we're allowing our thoughts to be pulled aside by such things. And that's a problem. Jesus talks about how easy it is for the seed of the gospel message to be discarded in our lives. He's talking in Matthew 13, and he says, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Distractions. They can keep you from seeing reality. They can keep you from even considering the question, what am I made of, really? Now, when pain and trouble comes into your life, you do begin to ask that question. And as you're asking it, you might come up with some solutions. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. One of the bad solutions, uh, ineffective ones, would be denial. You know, the guy who denies that anything is wrong with him. There can't be anything wrong with me. When pain comes into his life, He's kind of, I'm not going to learn from that. I, 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 just but a scratch, he says. I've had worse, a mere flesh wound. And he just moves on with his life, <laughs> denying it. Well, that's ridiculous. And it's hazardous. And it doesn't let you answer the question, what am I made of, really? Some people respond to life's pain with resignation. I think of Eeyore. Well, that's the way it is, you know? And basically, their line is, well, everyone's like this. Pain, everybody has pain. I'm not even going to try to think about it. It is true that everyone has pain. But I think you do need to give it your attention. Because I think through our pain, through our pain, God can speak to us. And the question that rings out in pain is often, what am I made of, really? Denial, resignation, those are wrong responses. Maybe a better response would be found in our psalm. I told you we would get to this, Psalm 103. We read it at the start of the service, and I, I don't want to go back and read it again, but I want to talk to you about what you find in there 
that helps you answer the question, what am I made of, really? First, you find the grace of God. It's in verse 11 of Psalm 103. Let me read it to you. It says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. It is the grace of God that separates us from our transgressions or from our sins. We didn't do anything to get him to do that. We didn't clean up our act well enough that he would say, yeah, I guess I will forgive you. You did good. It's not that at all. He demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it is by grace that we are saved through faith. And this is not of ourselves. It is not by works. So none of us can boast. It is a gift of God. It is grace. There is something amazingly powerful about grace. When when grace is given, when you get something good that you didn't earn, that you didn't deserve, it brings to your heart a sense of peace. Peace, even in the midst of pain and suffering. And so when you see what you're really made of, you really see that you're someone who needs grace. We all are people who need grace. A second response to suffering and to this question of what am I really made of is find your compassion in God. It's important to understand that grace is never robotic. Let me say that sentence again. Grace is never robotic. It is never without feeling. It always has an emotional quality to it. So that policeman who doesn't pull you over when you're speeding because he's nearing the end of his shift, he's not really showing you grace at all. He's not thinking about your need. He's thinking about his own schedule, not your situation. However, that same policeman who pulls you over when you're speeding and sees that you have a sick child with you and you're rushing to get that child to the emergency room and he decides he'll let you off the hook, he is giving you grace. You were speeding, you deserved the penalty, but he saw your situation and whether he would admit this or not, something emotionally happened in his heart and he made an emotional call on what was happening there and he showed you grace. Grace always involves compassion, and compassion always involves the heart. And you see God's compassion in this psalm. In fact, it's in the verses that we just read, just following that. In verse 13, it says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And there's something about compassion, that when you sense it, your failures, your pain, your heartache, the obstacles you're facing, They do not seem quite as formidable as they once did. What are you made of, really? Well, number one, you are made of something that requires the grace of God. And number two, you are made of something that requires the compassion of God. I want to ask you, third, to respond to this question of of what are you made of, really, by finding acceptance with God. The very next verse of Psalm 103 is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. It's verse 14. It says this, For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. You notice it doesn't say God knows how we are formed and he remembers that we are granite, solid rock. It doesn't say that. 
It doesn't say he knows how we are formed and he knows that we are not unlike the majestic mountains. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say he knows how we are found, formed and he knows that we are of the earth and solid as the earth. It doesn't say that at all. It says we're dust. It says we're dust. There's not a lot of strength in dust. Well, now we know what we're made of. We're dust. What are you made of, really? Dust. <laughs> the, new, the New Living Translation says, he knows how weak we are. We remember, and it adds this word, that we are only dust. And I think that's an accurate portrayal of what's being said there. Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrase of Scripture in the message, he says it this way. He says, he knows us inside and out, keeps in mind that we're made of mud. <laughs> what are you made of, really? Mud. <laughs> Dirt, dust. And when you begin to understand that, it doesn't make you feel bad about yourself. It makes you feel great about the one who remembers you, about the one who loves you. What do you do with the questions that pain poses, especially this question, what am I made of, really? Well, don't ignore what it shows you. Adjust your perspective concerning it. Adjust your perspective concerning it. I want to tell you that unless the word of God is giving you your perspective, then your perspective is coming from outside influences that may or may not fit with you as a person. And if your perspective is being formed from anything by anything other than God himself, that will be a problem for you. How do you get to that point? By God's grace. (laughs) But if you don't mind, I'd like to give you a little bit of advice on how you can get to that point. And the first thing is this. Address your perspective of yourself and adjust it if it needs adjusting. If you feel like you're the black knight, I'm invincible! That's a perspective that's going to cave in. That's going to fall apart. Your perspective of yourself needs to conform to reality. Not who you wish you were, not who other people tell you you should be, not who your mother always said you would be, not who you used to be, but who you are and who God wants you to be, period. And when you do that, when you begin to get your perspective from God's word, from the Bible, on who you should be, then you're actually falling in in line with what God speaks about in Romans 12. Where in verse 3, he says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment and according to the measure of faith that you've been given by God. God shows you who you are. And you need to have your perspective adjusted so that you understand who you are in light of who he is and in light of what he thinks. And as God shows you what you're made of, you will begin to feel more comfortable in your skin, more comfortable with your life. Even though you realize you're made of mud, it's okay because God gets that and he treats you accordingly. He treats you with love and compassion and tenderness and gentleness. And if you don't understand that, if you can't grasp that, then you need to adjust your perspective of God and conform your perspective of God to what the word of God says about him. You already heard it. It's been read twice this morning. It's verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, 
So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. God's not insulting you when he tells you that you're dust. He's remembering how you were made from the dust of the earth. He's acknowledging that there are certain weaknesses that come with being human. And he loves you and wants to help you through them. What are you made of, really? You're made of dust. And God takes care of you because he cares for you so deeply. When you can adjust your perspective of yourself and your perspective of him to conform to that, then you can reap the benefit of that question that pain brings into your life. What am I made of, really? Pain. We all experience it early on in life. And we learn early on to protect ourselves as best we can from that pain. That is the primal response to pain, to protect yourself either by lashing out or by running away. Often, often, a pattern of protecting ourselves from pain opens us up to a number of unhealthy behaviors. Pain can make us turn down the path toward blaming others. And we never take responsibility for what's going on in our life because we play the blame game. Or it can make us be touchy or easily offended because we're protecting ourselves because we don't want to deal with the pain. And so we're going to protect ourselves. Or it can make us become mean-spirited toward others, lashing out at them before they get the chance to lash out at others, or at us rather. Or it can make us become demanding of our rights, regardless of the needs of others. It can lead us in a lot of bad directions, pain can. And all of those behaviors are somehow or other related, tied down to our pain and our desire to protect ourselves. But do you see how God protects us? Do you see how he, how he as a father has compassion on his children, you and me? Do you see how he understands that you and I are not made of titanium, that we're not made of case-hardened steel, that we're not made of diamonds, tough as diamonds, that we're made of dust. And he invites us to turn to him and find his compassion and find his grace and even find his strength. I want to pray that you would recognize what you're made of. You're made of dust and you are loved dearly by the one who made you. Would you bow your heart with me? Father in heaven, we are thankful for your deep, deep love for us. The scripture itself says God is love and that you love us with an everlasting love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for being a good, good father. As we conclude our time praising you in song, may our hearts recognize the greatness of your love and may that transform us into the people you want us to be. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. God bless you.